What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guadagni Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Hanna. And guys, we're into a new month. We're into a World Cup month. A bit sad that uh, that the team that we cover here at Guadagni Vision is not participating, but that doesn't mean that we can't be excited about the biggest tournament in football. But of course, before we get into this kind of World Cup kind of feast, we obviously have to talk about what's been going on in Paraguay. Obviously, we are talking in the midst of obviously a, a the nitty gritty of the league season, the Clausura coming to a to a tight end. I you know believe that we're right into the situation where we might indeed know who are the front runners to really go and win this championship. I think it's it's starting to become a bit more clear. Obviously, in other news, we see Miguel Miron scoring again for Newcastle United, won the Player of the Month for Newcastle, and it's up for Goal of the Month and player of the month in the Premier League as well. So it's been good to see him. We'll have to wait and see if he does complete a, 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 a clean sweep and win all those awards. And not before we do see some change happening in Paraguay. Or is it change? We have to talk about what's been going on in the APF. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Fede Perez. I mean, you know, certainly we can segue into that because we do have some news right from the get-go from last night. The Paraguayan FA has... Um, has seen basically the same changes happening with Robert Harrison continuing on as president, a 180 of what really was supposed to be the case of him not running for re-election. They have reversed their minds and decided to keep on him for four years. And it's divided opinion, I should say, um, over there in Paraguay. What would you say, Feather? Yeah, totally, Roberto. I mean, uh, you know, this is a, a president that's had his problems, especially making it to the World Cups. It's something that he's taken uh, by his side. He's tried to do it, but he hasn't been able to do it these last time around. And he's going to be there till 2026. So he's obviously taken over the situation again. And it was pretty much in his speech uh, when he was reelected last night uh, as president with fireworks uh, behind him. I mean, they were celebrating a big time. Uh, uh, no one else went up against him. I think the only one that tried to do it was uh, Miguel Figueredo. Uh, former president of South America, but he ended up being a vice president in this new list that was presented uh, last night. So uh, he he's going to take that role and will probably be close again to that uh, men's national team like he was back in Ramon Diaz days. He's he, he's pretty good in the in the locker room. Hopefully that's good for our national team. We'll see what changes come around. Uh, obviously Robert Harrison has to make it to the World Cup. There's been a growth. To, to stand out in the FA here in Paraguay. I mean, we're always talking about, you know, the new facilities, the new training grounds that, that the FA is, is opening here, uh, not only in Asuncion, but the surroundings. I mean, football is really growing here in Paraguay. We got a new stadium in Encarnacion. Obviously, that's not all on the FA, but it is going to be used by the Paraguayan uh, Association. So it, it is very important. And I'm talking about that stadium because we got the final of the Copa Paraguay happening also uh, as we're recording today, probably people, as they hear this, will already know who's champion. And I don't know if we're going to know who's the champion already of the Clausura this weekend, but it could happen. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. We got two last games for Olympia, for Nacional, which are the big runner-ups. Uh, Olympia took over the lead as of right now. Nacional, what happened? They slipped up. Uh, I want to hear your, your guys' uh, take on this situation. Also, just when we thought that we were going to get to that final with Nacional having an advantage, no, no, no. It's Olympia now that has the advantage on that lead. So this Clausura is going 
to that last game, Roberto, just as you expected it, buddy. It's going to be soft in that last game, like most likely. I don't think it's going to end right now in this before last game. No, no, no. I, I think we're going to go up to that last final match against uh, between Olympia uh, and Nacional. But I want to hear Raf. I want to say hi to Raf also in Miami. I want to know what's going on over there and he, what he's thinking about this World Cup that's coming up. You mentioned the World Cup, but we, we're, we're playing. The, our national team is playing right before the, the, the World Cup. So we're, we're obviously going to talk about that in Warren Vision. Uh, I don't think we're going to talk up that much about this World Cup. Yeah, that's right. We, we've got just, oh, just about two weeks until Roberto comes down here and we're going to, to Paraguay, Colombia. Uh, we're still waiting for the list, though, from from uh, Guillermo Barosquiloto to see who be who will be accompanying us down here in in Miami but looking forward to that one and and yeah lots of changes i mean uh, you mentioned well lots of changes and not so many changes robert harrison is is going to become i think the second longest serving president ever of the FA behind his own father oscar harrison so keeping it in the family there um, with this very long tenure. And some of the stuff he's done in, in women's football is, is worth uh, mentioning with the new CAFEM, which is the high performance center that's been opened. And, and actually the girls are getting ready. We're talking about the Paraguay men's friendly, but the, the women's friendly, they're going to Jamaica for two games against, uh, against Jamaica as they continue to warm up for what's going to be the intercontinental playoffs. So they'll be using and they'll be training in that new center for the first time as they prepare for that game, which is good to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's see this title race is, is the, the big days Tuesday. It's a bit strange, but because Nacional have to play today the, the Copa Paraguay final, the, the next league game they'll play is on Tuesday and Olympia have to play at the same time because as you get into these final games and a champion could be decided, teams have to kick off at the same time. So Tuesday night, we're all going to be glued to our, our screens watching the Paraguayan championship and not the midterms here in the U.S. Definitely one of, of more drama to go through um, in, in Paraguay rather than here in the States where it could indeed be divided. But other than that, we're not going to go into politics in this one. We, we talk about that too much here in the in the States and even on our own sake for what any vision. We'll, let's go into what we saw in this Clausura race so far because we did see some games happening this weekend. Um, some results that I think obviously have definitely put in some permutations into the way that the season could be defined. As you had mentioned beforehand, um, we did see some teams drop points. But before we get into that, we see Olympia taking on uh, now officially relegated Doce de Octubre of Itawa. They'll be playing in the second division next year in the Intermedia. But Olympia firmly demonstrating their strength and, and, and continuing their winning streak. Goals from Paiva, Derlis Gonzalez, and Saul Sacerdo to get a 3-1 win against Doce de Octubre. What we saw the next day on Halloween, it was certainly a a, a treat, you would say, for, for Olympia, but definitely a, a, a scary version for both Nacional and Cedro as they both dropped points. Nacional losing to Taquaru, a Taquaru side that could still qualify for a, a continental competition. It was going to go into a 1-1 draw, but in the 92nd minute, Fernandez getting the goal, uh, Marcelo Fernandez getting the goal right into stoppage time to give all three points to Tuacuari, which would have helped Cedro Porteño if they were able to get the job done uh, against uh, a really poorly retired side that we saw this season, and it ended in a scoreless draw. Not, of course, including a missed opportunity from the from the uh, goalkeeper, Jean Fernandez, when Cedro were awarded a penalty before skying it 
right past the past the goal of Libertad to end it in a nil-nil draw. I mean, Fede, I mean, I I think when I saw that happened, I, immediately I thought that's it. That that it's Cedro's title gone. That 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 is over. And even with Nacional dropping points, yes, the big game is happening on um on Tuesday between them and, and Ameliano with Olympia playing Sol de América on that day as well. But as for Cedro Orteño, and unless anyone believes in some sort of miracle, I think that game is is done. Cedro are officially out of the title race. Yeah, that, that's your take on it. Uh, you know, they, they still could do it, but it, it looks pretty hard, especially because of the way they're playing. I mean, they're not standing out. The, the, the office is not standing out that midfield either. And and you got Nacional, they they lost their streak, and Olympia is the only one that's staying hot, right? Uh, they haven't lost in these eight last last games, eight eight straight straight wins. So they, they look like in championship form as of right now. They, they're playing like a champion, I believe. They, they they stomped on Resistencia last week. They played pretty well against Dos Octubre again. And yeah, Cerro Porteño had way too many opportunities this semester. Uh, John was the, the player to stand out in these last two games. He stopped so many balls against General Caballero. He was the best player in that match. And then you had this game against Libertad where Cerro needed to win. They went into Libertad's ground where Libertad ha- hasn't lost that much this year. It was going to be a, a hard, uh, it was going to be a hard game for them. So they had to take their opportunities. And John did not respond well in that penalty. And this is not the first time he's done that. I mean, this is the second penalty he's taken this year. He did it against Oso Dure in Itawa, and he missed it also. He missed the whole goal. I mean, he not just – the goalkeeper didn't take it away from him. He just couldn't respond. You know, he hasn't hit that ball really well. Uh, from P- And he's had chances from free kicks also. He, he likes the spotlight. He, he wants to take over in certain situations. And it was not pretty, you know, seeing that ball fly so far away from the goal – and John pretty much taking his glove to his face and being really ashamed of the situation. It's not the way you want to see it. I, I would love to see a John make those calls and, and have a goalkeeper that's really good, uh, I believe, for the Paraguayan League, uh, a Brazilian goalkeeper that just said a couple of days ago he wants to be Paraguayan. His, his son is going to be born here. His family is established here. He feels pretty comfortable in Paraguay. And then you had Chilavert, Jose Luis Chilavert, a, a legend here in Paraguay, talking great things about John. And, you know, his, his opportunities have come around, but he has not taken them pretty well. And it was not pretty, Ralph. I mean, to see him have that situation, that opportunity, and not respond to his teammates, especially, because it, it probably wasn't nice in that locker room. You know, when you have an opportunity like that and you miss it, uh, teammates are not really... Uh, are not really good with you in, in, in those tough moments. Yeah, and this has been the story of Cerro this season, those close calls and those misses. So remember Claudio Aquino missed a penalty in the in the Libertadores that, that could have knocked out uh, Olympia, sent them, sent them out of everything and, and would have helped, I think, Cerro maybe get over some of that, uh, that classical difficulties they've had this year. Um, and then we, yeah, we have this missed penalty. It's a strange situation because uh, talking about Claudio Aquino, he wasn't on the pitch. He was on the bench. Uh, uh, Marcelo Moreno wasn't on the pitch. He was on the bench. So maybe Jean steps up as almost the third choice. Um, but there are other players there that I think can take a good penalty. You have Carrizo, for example. But 
But yeah, it was almost, oh, we don't seem to have anybody naturally stepping up. So here comes Jean, who, like Fede says, he likes the spotlight. He's not short of confidence, but, but maybe wasn't the best person with that. Not always known for his cool mentality to take that, that key penalty. Um, and then just, just thinking about Serra as, as I think they are out of this title race is, is mathematically possible, but it's very difficult. They, they had two games, I think, where they gave up the lead in the very late on. I think it's Guarenia and maybe uh, Guarani. And those two games you look back on and if they, they built their style around a good defense, right? They've been a very strong defense and they just let it slip in those late stages of those two games. Those extra four points would have them top of the league right now. So, is, I mean, a lot of people talk about the Clásico or maybe not winning this game against Libertad, but those are the hard games, right? We're talking about playing at home against teams you should win, and they let it slip in, in really the dying minutes in both of those matches. Um, and Nacional have now done the same. After a long time of, of being up there, they, they let that goal in very late, and it was kind of, it was a bit chaotic because the, the ball was, there was a good finish by Marcelo Fernandez for Takwaru to, to give them the winner, but the ball is going like up in the air and no one's really dealing with it, and People are letting it bounce and you're just thinking, look at the time, <laughs> just get the ball out somehow. And Nacional couldn't do that. And now it, it puts Olympia in the driving seat. And what Olympia are doing really well that I don't think the other teams have been able to do recently is they just start so well. We talked about it before, like early goals, early goals. Today, uh, well, not today, in the game against uh, Doce Octubre, it took them, what, 29 minutes, so a bit longer than usual. But they're scoring in within that first half an hour. They're scoring and and they're putting themselves. They're getting rid of any of those nerves and any of those kind of problems you might sit, start to see, or those those kind of psychological problems that, that come in at the end of the season. They they just get over that quickly. So let's see on Tuesday if they if they score early and they go into the dressing room knowing they're winning and maybe they hear on the radio that the Nacional are not. They know they could they could be champions. So. There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to say for Olympia of that straight out of the blocks and, and how they're brushing teams away. And that's what's got them to the top of the league with just two games to go. Absolutely. And we look into it now, obviously, you know, as the, as the table stands, Olympia are top of the table with 45, one point ahead of Nacional with 44. Set of Orteño, as you said, are not mathematically out of, they're still three points behind. But given the the amount of games that they have to play and also just the way that they've been playing, it's going to be very difficult to see if they can even do it. But we've seen stranger things have happened. But having said that, guys, I mean, Tuesday's the big one against a, a Soda America side who, you know, have always been kind of a, a, a tricky team to play. OK, yes, they haven't been playing um, as good as they should over the last few games. But, you know, they always make things difficult sometimes. And for Nacional, they're taking on a, a Sportivo Ameliano, which, you know, certainly is obviously going to be there the game that we'll see in the Copa Paraguay. So we'll have to wait and see what happens from that first game uh, tonight in this type of recording for the, to see what happens on Tuesday. But, you know, I'll, I'll go straight up there and just be blunt on about it. I mean, you know, Fede, you did mention that we might get that title decider on Monday. I personally think it might be that. Honestly, I don't see Olimpio Nacional dropping points in either of these two games. So I think we're in for that big showdown uh, between them on on the last day of the season, unless you somehow have some faith on Sol América or Sportivo Aluminiano to ruin the party, I think we're all in for a 
for a uh, final clash, you would say, to decide this Clausura title for the second year in a row. It's very weird what's going to happen with, between Nacional and Emiliano because first they're going to go up against each other in the final of the Copa Paraguay and then they're going to see each other again like, just a couple of days in between. Uh, for the for the local league, so Ameliano is going to know pretty much what they're going up against. It's going to be a very strategic match, I believe, between the coaches also. And uh, you know, for Nacional, it's crunch time. Uh, it's now or never for them. The title could slip away from them. They, they've had to lead pretty much uh, uh, all the time. And in that Olympia game, in that first uh, leg, you know, it was it was a tie. It was a pretty close match. So they want to get to that last game with opportunities to take it away from Olympia. Olympia looks like they're going to play in their ground. They're going to play in their stadium with their fans by their side, just like we said before. And I love what I'm seeing from Olympia in these last couple of games. They, they look like the real deal right now. And Sol America has a lot of problems. They lost a couple of players in their last game. They were sent off, important players, key players in the starting uh, team and so the America is not over as, as of the year yet they need the points they haven't had the best of the year so uh, obviously they're going to try to win this game but hey, they're taking their, the game to the defensor as a jackpot and Olympia fans are going to be right there uh, I think that we're going to have way more Olympia fans than, than Sol America uh, so so for Sol America it, it is going to be a problem to try to stop this team that's been working really well in defense led by Saul Sancedo that midfield with Silva creating from his new spot, his new his new position, and then uh, attacking. It's not just Dennis Gonzalez lately. I mean, Guillermo Paiva, talk about Guillermo Paiva in these last couple of games. He's really come together. Uh, let's remind everybody that, that this guy has some controversy. Uh, some pictures uh, showed him drinking, uh, having party with friends, you know, some friends that took pictures during the year that, 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 that put, him, put him on the on the spotlight and kind of left him out of the team for some important games. It wasn't easy for him to come back, especially because uh, Brian Montenegro was doing really well uh, right alongside Delis Gonzalez. But Paiva took this role, the starting role in these last couple of games, and he's been scoring. He, he led the way the other day against Dosio Octubre. It's been 15 goals for him this season, and some of them have been golazos. Look at those goals that he's been scoring. And Guille Paiva has really looked like his best form in the Paraguayan League. He's 25 right now. And I was just listening to his manager the other day saying, hey, you know, this guy already has a couple of offers from Brazil, from MLS. It could be that kind of season for him also, you know, end the year with the, with the title with Olympia and then take that leap. It could be that kind of year for several players of Olympia. Olympia has financial situations. They're going to have to sell a couple of players. And I, I think DJ Paiva, he ends the year this way. He could be one of those big sells for Olympia. Not the only one. But you know, I'm already looking forward. I'm looking beyond the, the, the title, Roberto, because you know it is that time of the year, that end of the year. Uh, but it is crunch time, and I do think Olympia is looking just like I expect them to look uh, in real good shape with alternatives. I mean, Richard Ortiz is still a seven this team, Ralph. They haven't needed him. They haven't needed much of their captain. He's come in. He scored important goals, but he's still subbing in this team, and he's 100% already. We need we need him for the national team also, but as of right now, there's no place for him because Olympia is doing that well. Yeah, Olympia are doing very well, and the, the opponents on Tuesday, Sol, are going to be without some of their key players that were sent off in the game leading up to this. So they're without the ex-Olympia uh, player, Rodrigo Rojas. He, he was sent off. And you're, you're looking and, and you're just thinking player for player, it's, it's going to be very hard for, for Sol de America to get something out of this game. But, but talking about them, the opponents, is worth mentioning 
there are a couple of players maybe that that could look to do something. You have the all-time top scorer in Paraguayan football, Santiago Salcedo, who played for a long time for Cerro. And I think he scored against Olympia, actually, the last time they met this year. He's, he's 41 years old now, but he's still in great shape. He's still finding the net. And then you have, uh, playing with him, actually, is, is a kid, Gianluca Patecha, who came through the Olympia ranks, but, but was never really given his chance. So talking about, probably came through maybe around the same time as, as your, your Pivas and those kind of people. I guess he must be around the same age, maybe a bit younger. But, but he might have that idea in, in Paraguay. We talk about La Ley del X, the, the, the law of the X that always scores against your former club. So, so those two could have something to say in, in this game. But otherwise, is, is what Fed has been mentioning. There's, Olympia looks so good, but there's so many players now that are coming in and, and performing when they need to. And, and that's why Richard Ortiz isn't even on the pitch. And, and the great thing for Olympia is knowing he's on the bench is they can always feel they can upgrade, right? If things aren't going well, you can bring on Richard Ortiz and you can, you can upgrade, you can play better. So now in the three games he's come on and he scored as a substitute, which is not his role, he's come on really to see out the game or just to the game's already won. But you know that if, it, if they really need to count on him, he's, he's the perfect player to do that. So, so all looking really good for, for Olympia going into that game against Song. Yeah, definitely. I think it should be one to, to really look out for. And, you know, honestly, I think like I've said before, and like we've always said as well, we could indeed know right here that we do have a deserved champion. I think, you know, Olympia at the time, like obviously we have to wait and see what happens on Tuesday, but certainly they're the one that kind of edges it out completely. And I think, you know, guys, I think we have to give our, our flowers or our respect to someone like Julio Cesar Cáceres because I think for him to come in into that Olympia side, I remind you, we were talking about how they've endured crisis after crisis. They've endured so much uh, issues going on, Fede. I mean, it would be remarkable for him to return two trophies in two years, especially when not a lot of people really gave a lot of hope on him, really. Yeah, it was not easy. I mean, let's remember how the year started, right, with Roque Santa Cruz leaving that locker room, probably the leader in that locker room, and they needed to get the best version out of Demi Gonzalez also, which had not been seen because of some injuries last year. So if you look at everything that, that Julio Cáceres has put together from the goalkeeper, finding the, 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 the starting goalkeeper with Alveda, who has just been awesome this year, finding the, the right defense, moving the players around, obviously at the beginning of the season with Antolina Alcaraz, Saúl Sancedo, moving Mateo Gamarra from the left side to a, a, a center position in that defense. I mean, he's, he's found alternatives and he's found solutions and he's been working on this team. I mean, this team looks better right now, treating the ball also in that midfield, especially with Ale Silva in that new spot. Uh, that's that's something that I'm that I'm actually surprised about. I did not think he was going to feel that comfortable uh, playing as a center midfielder as, as he's been playing right now because most of his career, he's been playing alongside the line right there on the right side. And he's found alternatives because uh, Hugo, Hugo Fernandez also came by, uh, back in the second semester, and he's been a, a very important player also uh, playing by the sides with Fernando Cardoso, a player that's been pretty much regular all year around. He had a good Libertadores, and he's staying in shape, just like Demis Gonzalez. So when you have players that are stable, that are always playing pretty much with a, with a B, a B plus, I would say, 
uh, great in them. They, they never play uh, be, be, uh, below that, to be honest. Uh, Olympia, uh, Olympia knows what they're doing. And uh, comparing their situation to Cerro Porteño, they won all the big games, Ralph. Uh, they beat Cerro Porteño. They won important games, important finals, also in Libertadores to make it to a stage where uh, nobody thought they would make it. So this team has had more ups than downs in 2022, and they could end the year with a championship. I just think it would be huge for them and for their fans, which are very excited also to end the year with the title and have Cerro Porteño with nothing, because that's also something that's very important here at the end of the year. You know, who took the titles? It was Libertad at the Apertura. Cerro did not win anything, and Olympia could end the year with their big smile and Cerro Porteño pretty much empty-handed. Yeah, it'd be incredible for Cerro would finish on nearly 100 points in the year because they can still get to, I think, 98 points and not win anything, which is very rare. But but that maybe shows two things. One, the quality that, that's around in, in Paraguayan football, but also I think how important some of that mental and and... I, I suppose winning when it counts moments as well. And, and that's what, that's what Olympia found. And, and just talking about uh, Olympia and, and deserving of being deserving of the title. I mean, they've outscored everybody. The, the nearest, they scored 39 goals. I think Nacional scored 29. So they, they've outscored everybody. They're unbeaten at home. Um, and, and being unbeaten at home is a really big thing because Olympia were really bad last year or the beginning of the year in, in Parauno. They just couldn't win there. It was like they had like a, a curse on the stadium. People were actually worried about it, you know, what was going on here. And now they, they and, and I think partly was that they were playing badly and, and the crowd weren't with them. And, and so Julio Cesar Caceres has managed to turn that round internally in the locker room and got them playing well. And so they're unbeaten at home. They've scored more goals than everybody else. And, and they're definitely... Uh, doing very well and for 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 Cerro who who would go home empty-handed it does seem it does seem very unlucky for for Cerro they, they've probably done better than deserves winning nothing remember they they got a record points total for the runners-up in that apertura they they were brilliant alongside Libertad it was just that Libertad were uh, uh, unstoppable with all the the kind of resources they have um, but yeah that's Let's see how it plays out. Of course, we, we haven't spoken much about Nacional, but it, it's, it's just worth mentioning that, that Nacional, that slip up against Taquari really was the, the antithesis of what they've been doing this year. They, they'd actually been very good at holding on and they, they've been very good defensively. Uh, so let's, let's see how it plays out because of course, if Nacional win on Tuesday and we'll assume Olympia win, then it still goes to that head-to-head -head game, which, which anything could happen. It's, it's not crazy to think that Nacional could beat Olympia on their day because they, they proved that they're good enough. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a testament to the side that Pedro Zahavi has put on on this team. And, you know, I think as well, it would be even a better story because Nacional, they're not historically giants. They haven't, they don't win a lot of trophies anyway, Fede. And, you know, I'm just going to close it out here with, we're talking about Nacional because, you know, for them, they've always been considered, and mind you, this is a side that has achieved more internationally than Cerro has, making it to a, a Copa Libertadores final. And, and the fact that it's a side that, yeah, it's, it's always around, but they've always punched above their own weight, being that kind of neutral side. And, you know, they haven't won a 
a a title in almost 10 years. The last time was the 2013 Apertura. Before that, the 2011 title, and then in 2009. And then they they went so many decades without winning it. So to win a fourth title when you're competing with the likes of Libertad, Olimpia, uh, Cedro, and, and Guarani, to win a, a fifth title, in, in sorry, a fourth title in essentially 15 years, 13 years, something like that, I think would be remarkable for them. It would be remarkable for the club, and it would be interesting to see what kind of change can be made on this side moving forward. Yeah, from the narrative point of view, obviously it is like the fairy tale, right? Just like it was when they had that run in Libertadores, making it to the final and just being such a defensive team, having so much luck also, and just to make it to that last game against San Lorenzo and just falling short of being champions of, of South America, of, of the whole continent. Uh, and and ever since that big team, we never saw really a, a competitive side from Nacional. Uh, Robert Harrison went to the FA. It was kind of hard for from the board uh, structure also to come back together and build a good team, uh, put enough money to, to see what we see today, uh, a really good roster and a really good coach. Pedro Sarabia, ever since he took over, has really built a good team. But this was a solid team with the coach before. We I think we mentioned this in a couple of episodes ago. I think it was Rafa that said, you know, Hernando Rodrigo Lopez did a really good job probably building the base of this team. And some of those players are still around. And this team was really playing really well at the beginning of the year. I remember I said Nacional had some opportunities maybe for the Apertura, and they came around in this clausura looking a lot better. And, you know, when you have that excitement in the locker room and everybody's feeling that it could happen, that they could get the championship, obviously everybody's feeling good, everybody's smiling, the atmosphere is just feeling great in between the players. So that's just been building up in their Nacional. Let's remember that this team was going to close their stadium to build a, a, a new side to the stadium. And they said, no, 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 we're going to keep on playing. We're going to keep on playing our home, uh, our home games here because the, it looks like we have a, a chance in this uh, clausura. So they, they, they've just seen game by game what was going on, and they made it to these last uh, games with the opportunity to be champions, and I think they deserve it also. Uh, I've loved what I've seen from Facundo Bruera along the year from Kili Rojas, their goalkeeper, their defense is pretty stable. Also, they have a lot of alternatives in that midfield. So it's pretty much going to be in just how tired they're going to be after this final of the Copa Paraguay, just if they have enough in their field just to play against Olympia and especially beat them in their home ground. That would be huge. That's going to be the hottest ticket. No doubt about it in this 2022. The hottest ticket, because there's not many, because they're going to insist in playing in their home ground, which is about... 4,000 people, maybe max. I don't know if you can get more than 4,000 in the, in the Arsenio Erico. Yeah, the, the Facundo, Facundo Bruero was a great signing. Uh, like how they found this guy playing in, I think, in the second division in Argentina, maybe, or even third division. But they, they spotted him, they brought him in. But the other signing I think that's been key is Miguel Chaquet. <laughs> Miguel Chaquet is the central defender who was actually in, I think he was in that 2014 team. He must have been coming through as a teenager uh, when Nacional got to the final. But he was in Sol, and they brought him back from Sol to Nacional. And I think that's one of the big differences you see. Why did Nacional's defense get much better in the clausura compared to the apertura? And it's him. It really is. That's, that's the main change, because people like Kili Rojas, the goalkeeper, he was there in the apertura when they were conceding lots of goals. So I think that's been... Those two players have, have really been key to 
to putting them on this level where they can be challenging, not just for the title, but also for the cup as well, the Copa Paraguay. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely going to be an interesting final few days of the of the Clausura race, and we'll definitely cannot wait to see what happens as we wrap up another great episode of Guarani Vision for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, and Ralph Hanna. Thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.